We are Pixie and Ogre. This is an intersectional LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast led by two lesbians living in the sticks of North Carolina. We discuss topics that support our values, including pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-trans and gender non-binary, and pro-sex work, among many other topics. Pixie is me, Mel. I hold a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Ogre is Laura, who has no degrees or licenses, but just likes to hear her sarcastic fat-ass talk. Good morning. It is Pixie or Mel. And the Ogre. And this morning we are, well, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Samhain. Happy Samhain. And it's a blue moon today. I know. I'm so excited. Very powerful day. Yes. So in light of us kind of recording some spooky things the past couple of days, we've decided to talk about, for lack of a better word, most interesting or our favorite murders, serial killers, situations. Yes. Perfect for Halloween. Perfect for Halloween. I do want to give a big trigger and content warning. At least my stories will be talking about the deaths of children. Yes, mine as well. Uh, so a lot of, you know, I'm not going to be very graphic, but there could be graphic details. May not be suitable if you are sensitive to that. Yes, my stories have a lot of abuse, uh, yes. physical and sexual, and yeah, just a warning. Okay, so you've been warned. And now we go. Shall I start? Please start. Okay. So this is actually kind of a more recent one, but I am very fascinated by the Watts family murders. Oh, yes. From 2018. And the reason I'm fascinated about this is I find family annihilators, which is what Chris Watts would be considered, very interesting. And sad. Very sad. Yes. They're interesting, but they're, they're just so sad. I think what what's striking for me is seemingly everything is fine and then something happens or nothing happens and the person snaps and literally kills all or most of their family. Yes. And I think that as far as killing, this is one that <clears throat> just confuses me because... Yeah. There's nothing that's happening. There's there's no kind of self-defense or there's no abuse. There's nothing going on that's that right. would even begin to make murder okay. Right. But, yeah, they just snap. Yes. And so I've done some research about this before, and I'll include this in the show notes. Um, but I looked up, so family annihilators or, or familiacide... Um, tend to be murder or murder-suicides where the individual kills multiple close family members in quick succession. Yes. And they're usually male, and there's typically four types. So there's the self-righteous family annihilator. This is where they may blame their wife for the breakdown of the family, and maybe the husband's breadwinner status is kind of central to the ideal family image. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then we've got the disappointed family annihilator. This person believes that the family has let him down in some way and has destroyed that ideal family life. Um, we have anomic, where the father sees the family as a result of his economic success. So then his economic failure leads to the family no longer serving to function, just kind of has to wipe them out and start all over. Mm. And last, paranoid. So this would be perceiving like an external threat. So this might be in those situations where we hear about um, like fundamentalist religious folks or uh, folks who are paranoid of social services or the legal system and they feel like they have to get rid of their family in order to protect them. Okay. And what's interesting is this, the Watts family murders happened August 13th, 2018. And most family annihilations happen in August before the kids go back to school because there will be typically a delay in someone noticing that something's wrong. Very interesting. Yes. Yes. So to give a little background, we have Chris and Shanann Watts. They both met in North Carolina, both from North Carolina in 2010, got married in 2012, 
Actually, they got married November 3rd, 2012. Oh, so we're coming up on their anniversary. Yes. And they got married in North Carolina. They had two daughters, Bella, who was born in 2013, and Celeste, or Cece, who was born in 2015. They bought a five-bedroom house in Colorado in 2013 and, interestingly, declared bankruptcy two years later. Okay. No more details other than that. Oh, that is interesting. Very interesting. Um, so Chris worked for Anadarko Petroleum. Shanann was actually a sales rep for a multi-level marketing or MLM company, uh, selling a product called Thrive. And at the time of her death, she was 15 weeks pregnant with their third child, who was a boy, and they were naming Nico. 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 So what happened was, um, on the day of the murder, Shanann returned early in the morning about 2 a.m. from a business trip. Her best friend dropped her off from the airport. And her best friend, Nicole, unsung hero, maybe not unsung, because I think she has gotten the credit that she deserves, but best friend, Nicole, is really who got this all spinning. Yeah, she's the perfect person to have as a best friend. 100%, yeah, because absolutely. dropped her off at around 1.48 a.m. that morning, and later in the day, when Shanann missed her OBGYN appointment at 12 and didn't return texts, Nicole was on it. Yeah. She immediately called um, the police to do a welfare check. The police showed up at 1.40 p.m. Chris arrived shortly after and allowed them inside to do a check. Inside, no sign of Shanann or the girls. And Shanann's purse was there with her phone and keys. Was her car still there? Yes, with the kids' car seats in them. Okay. And the wedding ring was on their bed. Her wedding ring was on their bed. Okay. Okay. The next day, the FBI gets involved. Um, of course, Chris denied whereabouts. And this is where my interest was piqued because I first learned about this when we were on vacation in Myrtle Beach. Yes. We happened to be channel surfing and we stopped on CNN or some news channel. And there was Chris Watts in the infamous porch interview where he's looking shifty as fuck and pleading for them to come home or whoever has them to bring them home. And I turned to you and I said, he killed all of them. Yes. He killed all of them. Yeah. And um, so two days after the murder on August 15th, um, Chris was arrested due to a failed polygraph. And before he, well, not due to a failed polygraph, but that kind of ignited everything. And they kind of used the failed polygraph to give him an opportunity to confess. He did confess after talking to his father at first in, in the uh, interrogation room. And he reported an affair and said that he asked for a separation. And at first he reported that Shanann was so upset about the affair and the separation that in her, this is disgusting, that in her rage, she started strangling their children. Yes, and that he intervened to protect the children. That's right. Killed her in a fit of rage. Yes. Um, in an interview with Dr. Phil, Chris's lawyer later confirmed and reported that Chris did in fact confirm killing Shanann after their argument by strangling her and that the oldest daughter walked in and Chris kind of said, oh, mommy's not feeling well, loaded up the work truck with... Shanann, who was dead, and the two girls who were still alive, and drove to an oil tank at his job, at his work site, killed the two girls, and left everyone there. I think what bothers me the most about this story is, well, I mean, there's a lot that bothers mm -hmm. me, but the one thing that just breaks my heart is the way he describes killing the little girls. Yes. I mean, that is just... Yes. Cold and mm -hmm. heartless. And, you know, I, I, I frequently wonder what is running through his mind at this point. Because he, he opens the door and, and he covers the one little girl with a blanket. Yes. And it's just heartbreaking. It is. Absolutely heartbreaking. And, and it wasn't like the children had had a rough life. I mean, these were loved cared for Absolutely. children and both mother and father had doted on them and, and loved the children unconditionally That's right. for 
all of their short lives. And so for them to trust this man and love this man yes. and him not even blink. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's obviously there's been a lot of coverage on it. And especially this year in particular, there's been a lot. There's been a Lifetime movie about it. And then there's been a found footage or like firsthand footage compilation movie on Netflix that we watch. I mean, there's been a lot coming out this year. And I imagine it's because it is still relatively fresh and new. Um, but there's there's been a lot of speculation that possibly he ended up killing Shanann after their argument about him wanting to end the marriage because she said he would never see the girls again or she said um, you won't have a penny left to your name after child support and um, alimony. You know, you and I, I think, said this in one of our very first episodes. Could you just not murder me? Like, do you? Like, have your life. But could you just not murder me? Right. And that's what I don't understand about these family annihilators is that, you know, who cares? If, if you're choosing to leave and yep. you, you are faced with the possibility of paying alimony and child support and potentially never seeing your kids again, why kill them? Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're still not going to, you're not going to be free. Right. And you're still not going to see your kids anymore. Right. So, you know, nobody wins in this situation. No. And yeah, I just, I, I would love to learn more about what goes on in their minds. I think that's, again, what, what's kind of fascinating to me. I think, you know, serial killers in general, I think fascinate all like the nation or true crime people like ourselves because there does seem to be something pathological about that person, right? Maybe it's sociopathy or, you know, some kind of antisocial personality disorder that we can kind of trace it back to. The recent family annihilators just really boggle me is it, it seemingly comes out of nowhere. Right. So we're led to believe that this all precipitated because of an affair that he had with a woman he met in June. In June 2018. So this is what also gets me. It's like, so in eight to 10 weeks, because don't, we don't know when exactly in June they met or started having an affair. But at this point, Shanann and the girls had gone to North Carolina for a few weeks to visit her family. I think about six weeks. And in that time, he was with this woman, Nicole Kessinger, every single night. And that, that was enough to unravel years of a life built together, home, children, family, love, I assume. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that third pregnancy he was not prepared for or didn't want. Um, for anyone who's seen any of that firsthand footage, Shanann was very big on social media and she recorded everything. Yeah. And there is a blind reaction of him finding out that she's pregnant and you can tell he is, he is, he feels suffocated. Yes. And that's not at all to excuse anything that happened by any means, but you can tell that was not in his plan in his mind. Um, so on November 6, 2018, he took a plea deal. Um, the death penalty was not an option per Shanann's family. They did not want any more deaths to result from this. Okay. So he took a plea deal. He, he pled guilty to first degree murder for five counts. And I'm sitting here this morning doing this research and I'm thinking five counts and I'm counting the two girls Shanann and the unborn child. And I'm thinking, what are the five counts? Well, this is, <laughs> this is interesting. So he got three counts of first degree murder for his wife and his two kids. Then he got an additional two counts of first degree murder for being a person in position of trust for the murders of his children. Interesting. Yes. And on top of that, so he got five life sentences, three consecutive, two concurrent without parole plus 84 years, 48 years for unlawfully terminating a pregnancy, and 36 years for tampering with a deceased body. Wow. Yes. So it, what I'm gathering is, like, the judge at sentencing was like, 
flipping through that law book, like what what can we possibly throw at this guy? <laughs> like, oh, I know, we can do first degree murder because he was a position person in a position of trust with his daughters. I fucking love it. Yes, uh, yeah, throw I all mean, of it at him. Regardless, he's never getting out of jail. No, and I mean they could have just slapped years on for whatever. That's but right. He's never getting out of jail. That's right. And um, in in researching the family annihilators and knowing that it is mostly men, I did want to include, and again, I'll include in the show notes, that there's three notable females that kind of come up when I think of family annihilators. We have Diane Downs, um, who shot her children in a car and blamed it on a person of color in a carjacking. We have Susan Smith, who killed her children by rolling the car into a lake and blaming it on a person of color, trend. And then we have Andrea Yates, who systematically drowned all of her children in the bathtub after experiencing some severe postpartum depression. Yes, yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, that's the, the Watts family murders. Wow. Eerie, I don't, it, it, it's fascinating yet it's so disturbing. It is, and we have watched several documentaries yes. um, and the Lifetime movie, of course. Mm -hmm. And what bothers me is how happy everybody seems in the videos. Yes. Including Chris. And it's, you know, they share the text messages between Shanann and Chris, and they're loving, and they were having some issues, you know, as far right. as, I think, just time. People grow apart, and they were having some issues. Sure. But there was nothing angry. There was nothing... Uh, hateful they were I love you and and I you know I hope we can work through this and I hope this time apart can make us grow closer together and they were hopeful or, or she was hopeful and the whole time he's behind her back with this other woman that he just happened to meet and you know I, I don't think he planned to kill his family no I think that it came down to an argument and he found himself so angry that he started strangling his wife and couldn't stop Again, it's not it's not an excuse. No, it, there's never an excuse. But what is going through your mind at that point? You know, you're strangling your wife, and you're so angry, and you just don't stop. Well, and what's interesting is there were no defensive wounds, so she didn't fight back, and she didn't scream, and it, that has been talked about and speculated about, and even asked Chris about why he thinks that is. He thinks that the reason she didn't fight back is because she couldn't. He was on top of her. As far as screaming out, he said, I don't know what she was doing. Maybe she was praying, huh. which is just eerie. Yes. And what's interesting about what you said is um, they, there didn't seem to be anger or hate. And you and I have had this conversation before. I don't necessarily think that the opposite of love is hate. It's indifference. Yes. And so in the depiction of like the Lifetime movie and in their correspondence when she was in North Carolina, there does seem to be an indifference on his part and a, and a notable difference because she knew that something was going on. She was questioning him about it. She was seeing credit card charges for dinners that were clearly more than just one person. And he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing away. And I think I think that indifference and that kind of like numbness is what allowed him to get to that point. Yes. So yes. I think if someone still has anger and hatred, there's still passion, there's still something that, some feeling that they're connecting with with that person. When you're just like fucking done. I know. That's when it's scary. I know. And it's just so sad. Yeah. You know, instead of working it out, dealing with it, moving on. Yeah. You know, he had to kill everybody. And awful. It's, it's awful. Just awful. I've got an interesting one. Please. It's the story of Belle Guinness. Um, it's a little bit older than okay. the Chris Watts story. Okay. Uh, she was born in Norway in 1859. Okay. And she came to the U.S. in 1881. Um, her crimes weren't discovered until 1908 when her farmhouse burned to the ground. Uh -uh. Firefighters rushed to the scene and they found a headless woman's body 
Okay. Yep, they never found the head. Okay. And the bodies of her three kids. Once they started digging around the ashes and the land, they discovered the remains of at least three men. I'm sorry, at least 11 men. Oh my gosh. And the story of Belle Guinness is interesting because she, she moved to this farm and um, she had kids from her first marriage. She was collecting, um, she collected insurance mm. money on the death of her first husband and the death of her second husband, who both died under suspicious. Okay. Uh, her second husband, she claimed he went to reach for something off of a top shelf and a heavy um, stand mixer fell off the shelf and hit him in the head. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not funny, but also like very specific. Very specific. And, and the, the blow to the head is what killed him. Jeez. And she collected on insurance money. Mm. So she gets all this insurance money and she buys this farm and she's posting uh love letters in okay. you know uh, newspapers sure looking for love and <laughs> men would respond to the ad they would correspond and eventually the men would move there to be with Belle okay and <clears throat> they would die oh dear stand mixer <laughs> by this point she's living out on the farm oh yeah there's that's no true. you know she's not even bothering taking out insurance anymore they're, they're just coming. They're bringing their bank books with them. Mm. She's, she's staying with them long enough to get access to their bank accounts and their money. And then, boom, they're dead. She's burying them in the... In the and she's uh, not legally connected to them. So. In the farms. Right. Well, some of the relatives of these men are starting to get a little suspicious. Like uh, one guy said, my, you know, my brother came to the farm to be with Belle and no one has seen or heard from him since, which is odd. And so people were starting to be suspicious. Wow. When all of a sudden her house burns down and supposedly her body and her three children, um, their bodies are found. But nobody ever found the head. Was this her head? Nobody knows. Huh. A lot of people think that she burned it down, that she killed her kids, burned the house down, and that the, the body that was found uh, the the woman yeah was not her that it was one of her victims but maybe like a decoy like a decoy yeah and huh. uh, she fled interesting um, more recently they did DNA testing on what remains of the body okay and it was inconclusive yeah so there's no way to prove that she was dead she was declared dead yeah but nobody really knows what happened. Wow. Mm -hmm. So she's attributed with killing at least, that they know of, at least 11 men on her farm, plus her three children, plus possibly her two first husbands, and however And many... possibly this other random woman. Right. Who maybe was a decoy. Yes. And that it was assumed to be her and she was able to flee. Yep. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. Right. And again, it's, you know, why? Mm. What led to her? Well, it sounds like money was her motivation. Yeah. Livelihood. But... Like, you know, but why initially, I guess? Why initially? I, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. And then again, why kill your three kids? I mean, I, I guess they were a burden, you know? Yeah. Or if, if she was just going to, you know, get out of Dodge, she probably needed to be solo for that yeah I mean it's it's hard to blend in when you've got three kids in tow. yeah that's true and you know being a single parent in the early 1900s is probably not very common no so I think that would make her stand out yep exactly interesting mm -hmm. huh all right well I have another I have an unsolved case as well okay so this one's called the boy in the box okay that doesn't sound good it does not sound good and again trigger warning so in 1957, a muskrat hunter, <laughs> a muskrat hunter, a muskrat hunter. I'm not even sure what a muskrat is. Not me neither, but and I didn't even know that there was like you know a hunting protocol. But this was 1957, so okay. And Do as you, we'll as we'll find out, it probably wasn't uh, sanctioned was hunting. It, Do you eat the muskrat? I have no idea. Okay, I didn't know if there was a market for like muskrat fur. Oh God, I don't know. Uh, just asking. Poor muskrats. 
So a muskrat hunter found a cardboard box and inside was the naked body of a boy wrapped in a plaid blanket. Uh, But the hunter didn't report it because he was afraid that his traps would be taken away that he had set illegally. So he ignored it and just kept on hunting. He just ignored a box with a dead naked boy in it. That's correct. Oh my God. And this is in Centerbrook, Pennsylvania. And the body was... uh, so his remains now rest in Ivy Hill Cemetery. In Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. But this was just like in the woods off the side of the road. Jesus, can you imagine finding a cardboard no. box with a dead body and no. being like, do 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 Being like, you know, mm, I really, I got traps out here. I, you know, I'm just going to keep doing my Saturday. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. It's just, just going to keep It's keep a lot out. of fucking paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork. Well, days later... A college student was driving through the area and saw a rabbit on the side of the road and knowing that there were traps, how I don't know, but assuming there were traps that the rabbit could get caught into, he pulled over to make sure that the animal was safe. And he came across the box. Again, that's odd. It's very odd. And this is, again, this doesn't go into any more detail other than despite his fear of the police, why? Why would a a college student be afraid of the police. Right. Despite his fear, he did report it. That's that's odd. I don't I, understand. I mean, how many times are we driving down the road and we see rabbits and we're just like, oh, rabbit. And yes. I mean, how are you going to pull over to make sure the rabbit is safe? So if the rabbit lives in the woods, the rabbit is going to be exposed to the traps 24-7. Right. I'm... I'm going to speculate wildly right here, and there's nothing that I've read about this, but to me it's now fact because I just thought of it. (laughs) Um, The college student knew the muskrat hunter. The muskrat hunter told the college student. The college student went to find the body and made up this story to not implicate the muskrat hunter. Okay. Who I'm now going to say is his father. I just made a whole backstory. You're welcome, everyone. Wikipedia added. (laughs) So... Um, the boy was estimated to be between three and seven years old, oh. and he was scrawny, dirty, malnourished. His oh. hair was matted and cut in clumps. He was covered with surgical star- scars, not stars, um, on his ankle, groin, and chin. And um, the police fingerprinted him, hoping to find a match, but they did not. That's interesting. Yes. Surgical star scars. Yep. Jesus. Surgical Not stars. stars. Not stars. That's <sighs> And for for the time, I was pretty impressed with this. They did a forensic facial reconstruction and distributed 400,000 flyers in the Philadelphia like metropolitan area. Um the crime scene was investigated thoroughly and despite several items of children children's clothing found there there were no leads and the case went cold jeez so there was no child reported missing that you know matched even somewhat of this description like age sex anything no fingerprint in the system um no one coming forward and saying like oh my gosh that's my missing child nothing nothing so two theories came to be. So this, he was discovered in 1957. In 1960, an employee of the medical examiner's, examiner's office was told by a psychic that the child came from a foster home. Um, and the blanket that he was wrapped in and the bassinet sold in the box that he was found in did match um, items found in a particular foster home nearby, but nothing else came of it Hmm. the next theory and the next lead came in 2002 oh wow over 40 years later a woman came forward she goes by either martha or m and she claimed that she knew the child and that the child was bought by her mother and abused for years that the child on the day that this happened, this crime happened, vomited up baked beans. And as a punishment for making a mess, the mother bashed his head against the wall and then attempted to bathe him and clean off the baked beans. And he died. 
I am speechless. Yes. What about the surgical scars? That does not go into detail. Um, what's interesting is despite this, um, so the police did find remains of baked beans in his stomach and did note that his fingers were wrinkled as if he had been bathed. And these were two um, items of information that were not shared with the public. So for this person, Amen. this part, all of this infuriates me, obviously. But her report was completely dismissed based solely on that she has a history of mental illness. So she's ridiculous is what they said. That is a quote. She, the neighbor said, the neighbors were interviewed. In 2002, neighbors that potentially she could have known 40 years ago. I've never seen a, a boy in, in the neighborhood. I've never seen the boy in the house. And that woman is ridiculous. And the police were like, well, our job here is done. Thank you and goodbye. That's insane. It's insane because if, if a child was bought, and let's say these two theories are probably both accurate, he was probably bought from a foster home. And he kept was, in secret. And kept in secret so you wouldn't see this child because you didn't birth him. All of a sudden you have a three-year-old? Right. Or however old he was when... Exactly. And, and if he was bought, he was probably bought for the wrong reasons. Exactly, which Martha or M says... And solely because of her history of mental illness, which doesn't say what kind, not that it really fucking matters, but the fact that she has a history of documented mental illness, she was completely dismissed. And the Even case though she had old. facts. Even though she had facts that were not public information, that complete, like, it's not like she said he threw up his meal and they were like, oh, he did have some dinner in his stomach. Baked beans. <laughs> Baked beans. Like, could you get any more fucking specific? And his fingers were wrinkled from a bath. Like that, that vibes, that, that matches. But nope, the case is still closed. Nothing further. Nothing further. Wow. Yep. That's, well, I mean, it's sad and it's, it's disturbing mm -hmm. that <clears throat> the police didn't care enough to I know. follow up any more than just interviewing some random neighbors. Yep. Who just completely dismissed her because, quote, she's ridiculous. And that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it is ridiculous, but it, it, it's probably ridiculously true. Right. Um, so that's the boy in the box. I he doesn't know. even have a name. He doesn't even have a name. Well, that's not true. I, I apologize. Martha did say if this is the child, which she believes it, it was, his name was Jonathan. Aw. Yeah. Aw. Yeah, Jonathan. Um... I've got a really sad story. Oh no! Yeah, it's just it's. We're sick. just downers this weekend. It's sick. It's and it's it's fascinating, and it has intrigued me for years. And okay. so I've read just a lot of books about it, a lot of articles. Um, it is, to me, it encapsulates everything psychologically that. It's just deplorable. Okay. And it, it, it fascinates me, like going back to Chris Watts and, and Bell Guinness, like how people who seem so normal right. can do such, not just one horrific thing, yes, but so many horrific things. This is the story of Fred and Rosemary West. Okay. Little background, please. Fred was born in England. Okay. Uh, to a, a farming family. Mm -hmm. He had several brothers and sisters, and he they grew up working the farm, and they were a, a close knit family. Um, there was a lot of abuse in the family. The father was kind of a, an authoritarian, mm. and um, you know the kids had chores. Sure. Fred. Um, was, I think he was the oldest. And he claims, after his arrest, he claims that he was introduced to sex by his mother at age 12. Oh, boy. And that he was encouraged to engage in bestiality with the animals on the farm. Oh, And he said that boy. this was 
common in his family and that not only him but his brothers and you know every, everybody uh. so it, it seems to you know that Fred's got off to a little bit of a shaky start a lot a bit of a shaky start yeah, yeah that's bad um, but he was born in 1941 okay he um, when he was older, his 13-year-old sister came forward and told their mother that Fred had been raping her for years. Jesus. And she was pregnant. Oh, my God. So the family essentially disowned Fred and... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Okay. So having sex with his mother, excuse me, being raped by his mother mm -hmm. and sexually assaulting animals, that's all cool. Yeah, that's cool. But him raping his sister and impregnating her grounds for dismissal of the family. Yes. <clears throat> and to be clear, and I, I don't think I need to say this, but all of this is fucking ridiculous. Awful, 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 awful. I'm being facetious that this is the line the family's going to draw on the sand. Right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So all right. they actually brought up charges against Fred for the rape of his 13-year-old sister, but... The sister refused to testify, and they mm. ended up dropping the charges, and Fred walked away. So Fred went on from there, and he had, um, he just had a, you know, a weird, shitty kind of life, you know, like odd jobs here and there. He was very awkward with women, and he was very sexually aggressive with women. Mm. Like, he would meet women at dances and go from, hi, how are you, I'm Fred, to, like, trying to touch their breasts and fondling them. I mean, considering his introduction to sex yeah. and being assault. So a lot of yeah. women thought he was kind of creepy. And, yeah. You know, um, but... He persevered, and he met and married his first wife. Her name was Rena, okay. and they had two kids. When they met, Rena was pregnant by an uh, Asian man in, okay. the, in the town, and Fred agreed to, you know, be a father to the child. Um, so they they she gave birth, and then a couple years later, she gave birth to a joint child with Fred. Okay, and she was Fred was abusive. And Serena was kind of in and out of the picture. Okay. Um, she she ended up having an affair, and <clears throat> she ended up living apart from him, and, and Fred kept the children. And he was abusive, both mentally, physically, sexually, to these children, and, and Rena just kept coming back and forth, mm. you know, I want to take my kids. Fred would beat her and say no, and she'd run away. Gotcha. Back and forth, back and forth. So... He also had many affairs. Um, one affair he had while he was still married to Rena was with a woman named Anne McFall. She ended up pregnant. Okay. And she, poof, disappeared. Huh. Imagine her, that. Imagine that, yeah. She, hmm. uh, Fred killed her. We, her remains were, were found. No. Yes. 1994, <laughs> they found her body. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, yeah, oh, so no. that was the end of Anne. Jeez. Fred liked younger women, and by younger women, I mean children. Ugh. So he met Rosemary in 1969 when she was 15. She had just turned 15. Ugh, I don't care if she's been 15 for nine months. It's disgusting. Just turned 15. It's, it's and criminal. And he, he pursued her. I mean, he kept, he would, you know, kept pressuring her to go on a date and she kept saying no and he would send her a gift where she worked and she would say no jesus so she finally agreed to go on a date with him and how old was fred at the time uh well this was 1969 and he was born in 41 okay so yeah gotcha I mean, he was late 20s yeah yep which i mean it doesn't matter no it doesn't i'm just trying to get the yeah, yeah i mean it it helps so that she finally goes on a date with him and he's able to charm her and they begin a relationship okay well her family did not want Fred in her life. He was in his late 20s. She was 15. Yeah. They didn't like him. They thought he was a pedophile. They he was and was, yes. Was, and, and they, so they did everything they could to keep him away. She quit her job and went to live with Fred full-time as a nanny. Mm. Well, okay. As her parents found out, they brought in social services. Good for her parents. Who removed her from Fred's home and placed her into this, like, 
youth girls home. Okay. It's pretty progressive for 69. Yeah. Well, wow. she kept sneaking out and sneaking out Jeez. and every free chance that she got away from the place, she would go and see Fred. And they went back and forth with her parents and social services and she ended up getting pregnant. Here's where the story gets a little bit sick and twisted. Here's where the story gets Here's sick. where, yeah. Oh my, oh, this, okay. This story is, is demented and wow. perverted. Okay. She gets pregnant. At this point, there are allegations that the baby is actually her father's. Ah. Starts coming out in bits and pieces that her father has been raping her her entire life. Ah. And that on one of her weekend trips home from the youth home, her father raped her again and she actually got pregnant. Again, this is... I'm fucking speechless. This is the 60s. Nobody could, you know, nobody did DNA or anything like that. Paternity testing. So no one knows for sure. Okay. Either way, she ends up with Fred and she gives birth. Um, She... Uh, she had three kids at this point. Okay. Okay. So she had Charlene, Charmaine, who was Fred and Rena's. She had Anne Marie, who was Fred and Rena's, and then her own baby, mm-hmm. who was Heather Ann. Both of them just abused these kids. Jesus. Both of them. They were mentally, physically, sexually abusing these children. Uh, I mean, from day one. My God. And nobody cared. Rena kept coming back into the picture. Okay. And Fred would beat her. He'd say she's never getting her kids, and she would scurry off again. She comes back one time. Fred beats her, decides he's tired of beating her, so he kills her. Wow. And she's dead. Mm. He kills uh, Charmaine. Actually, Rosemary killed Charmaine. And stored her body until Fred got out of prison. He was in prison for six months for unpaid fines or some shit. And when Fred got out, his first order of business was to bury bury the body of his daughter. Um, My God. So in total, over the years, Rosemary had eight children Mm. plus... Anna Marie from, still from Fred and, and Rena's marriage. Right, right. Um, Fred and Rosemary um, marry. They buy a house, a large house, and they convert the upstairs to be lodger rooms, or okay. rooms that you rent out to lodgers. Sure. Well, they converted one of the rooms to be a live-in uh, prostitution room. Oh, I was, I was... I was anticipating like a torture room. No, no, this okay. was this was just it was called Rose's room. Okay. And it was her room and they there was a separate entrance and um men would come and ring the bell and there was a light outside the door that would let everybody know not to bother Rose at that point. Okay. And she started prostituting herself. Huh. To bring in some additional money, you know, just uh, Wow. Well, they started pimping out the girls. Oh, Jesus. Yep. Yep. Started pimping out the girls because got to bring in some extra money. Oh my gosh, this is awful. It is. It's horrible. This is and awful. throughout their lives, they would meet women through their lodgers. Uh, you know, the women would come to visit the lodgers and become friends with the Wests. And all of these women died, but they mm. didn't just die. The Wests would. They were extremely into bondage, mm. torture. They were. They had every sexual fetish known to man. They had it. But what set them apart was the more violent that they got in their sexual conquests, the more they liked it. Wow. They. That's all they wanted to do. So, so it kind of like became like an obsession. An obsession. Okay. And they would pick up girls all over the place and bring them back to this to this house, and they. After they were arrested and everything went down, everything was discovered, they started cataloging all of the fetish things that they, and the bondage equipment and the um, 
torture devices that they had in their house that they would use on all of these women. So the women weren't just killed, which is bad enough, but they were generally held hostage and tortured and raped over Jesus. a period of days before the Wests finally killed them. And I mean, the, the story just, wow, it just keeps going and, and it's, it's insane how many people came across the Wests and, and died at their hands, Jeez. including their children, which it just blows my mind how these children were abused from birth. Um, wow. I'm rarely speechless, but I'm, I'm fucking speechless. So they were um, arrested, obviously, and they started finding bodies. Um, a minimum of 12 murders. I was going to say, what was the count? I feel like it's far greater than that. Yeah, it was a minimum of 12 <clears throat> that they could attribute to them, but no one will ever really know for sure because, right. you know, we're talking about England in the, you know, 60s, 70s. There was a lot of transient people, a lot of, you know, people hard on their luck who are out sure. on the streets and honestly nobody really keeps track of them right and so i mean there could be a lot more than 12 um but yeah wow so they were arrested fred um killed himself in prison <sighs> too easy rosemary got sentenced to life in prison okay um and then you know the her the children, some of her children, which are still alive, um, they, they too just went on to have shitty, shitty lives. Several of her surviving children also had uh, suicide attempts. I, I can and, imagine. And her daughter, Anna Marie, actually wrote a book, okay. which I just found out today, and I'm I want to order it so I can read it. Okay. There's been several documentaries made about it. Um, wow. But it's just, it's absolutely horrific. And it, it just, it's just mind boggling. It, absolutely mind boggling. It, it really is to think about like the lack of humanity in some people. Yes. And, and there was one chilling quote from Fred when one of the children complained about being beat or something. And he said, I made you. I can do what I want with you. Oh no. And this is the mentality, you know, that 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 he went through his life. I, that you're mine. Whether oh. you're my my wife, my girlfriend, my child, and I can do what I want with you. Wow. Right. Well, and and not to excuse it, his upbringing was probably very similar. He may have been told that by his mother when he was being assaulted by her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, geez. Yeah. Wow. It was just this big cycle of abuse. And, sure. you know, even, you know, Rosemary too was abused and, and probably sexually assaulted by her father. Right. So this big, big cycle. And I, I don't know. It's like, what, what makes people think that this is okay? Even if it's even if it's something that you were raised with, even right. if it's something that you experienced your entire childhood. I don't know. Is it lack of education? Lack lack of exposure to the rest of the world? It could be. I I think this would be a good argument for nature and nurture, mm. because I I think sometimes. That in that environmental nurture part of it definitely plays a big role. If you've never had unconditional love or support or been given or expressed love to, how would you know how to express it to someone else? Mm. But also, it it seems like potentially because there was you know inbreeding and incest going on that there may have been some you know, biological issues going on, that it was just like a perfect storm. Yeah. Perfect storm. But the fact that it went on for so many years yes. and, and in a civilized country, you know, in a civilized yeah. part of time. Yeah. And nobody ever really caught on. Yeah, I think it was... That that time seems like kind of like that gray area of, 
I mean, when were they caught? 1994, I think. That that doesn't surprise me, and, and especially if, like, most of the crimes happened in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. We were just starting to catch on to, like, serial killers were starting to be prolific in the 70s, and I don't know. I don't think it was on everyone's radar as much. How can you, as a human being, whether it's your physical child, your biological child, or not, even if it's just a random child that you Mm. find wandering in the woods, how can you harm that child and listen to the child, uh, thinking back to the boy in the box, three, four, five years old, how can you harm a child and watch them cry and hurt at your hand Yeah, and think that it's okay? Like, even if I was a horrible person, I couldn't hurt a child or an animal and watch them in pain and watch them cry and watch them beg and plead to not be hurt anymore. Right. And, and, and not fall apart myself. I mean, just thinking about it, I'm like, I'm tearing up. Right. And I see where you're going with it. I, I think it's hard for us to imagine that because we are looking at it from a humanity type type of way like we don't dehumanize people you know we don't um i I think these folks probably had to dehumanize these children and these these people in order to do that or somehow rationalize it and i'm not saying it's okay of course but i don't think we have that piece to us because we just don't have that piece to us. I just, it's just and wrapping our heads around it, you know. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And then Very for much. Fred to be a coward and not face his jail sentence. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Not in the he, least. No, he, I don't think he could have handled way prison. Out. I mean, it would have been interesting to watch him handle prison. Um, yeah, I mean, he probably wouldn't have lasted long anyway, being a pedophile and a child murderer and everything. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that would have been much more interesting. Yeah, I, I think he knew. I think he knew what he was getting himself into. He was a sick bastard. Yeah, for sure. You have others? No, I'm good. Wow, this yeah. was a heavy topic. It really was. It was Hug perfect. your loved ones, give your dogs a kiss, <laughs> and your cats if they'll let you. Just be careful. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. If you are interested in sending us listener letters, asking for advice, sharing something unusual or topics that you want us to discuss, send an email to pixieandogrepod at gmail.com. That's P-I-X-I-E-A-N-D-O-G-R-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks.